Okay, welcome back to the Landlord Page podcast. It's Mike. I'm here on my Todd today, but joining me is Diane Blagg, tax partner at Styles and Company, who are our company accountants. If you've got two companies, I would definitely be saying don't DIY it. Um, And even if it's only on an advisory basis, even if it's just to go out there and get some advice and actually say, you know, know, am I doing things correctly? Am I missing something? Uh, um, Because you you, you just don't know. It can can cost greatly. I mean, HMRC, uh, and we'll we'll talk about this later, but HMRC, you know, inquiries, uh, penalties, these kind of things, especially with landlords, it's a hot topic at the moment, um, and they will punish you uh, greatly if you don't do things right. If you're not compliant, they look after through look after us through thick and thin. So, Diane, thanks for joining me. You're on your first podcast today. I am indeed. <laughs> so don't be afraid of the mics and the cameras and the bugs and the and the and the stuff that we've got in the studio. But we really appreciate you coming down. It's very hard for an accountant or to get an accountant or a solicitor to go on record. So (laughs) we know there's going to be answers where it's take individual advice. That's cool. But there's big changes going on. It's something that we've been talking about. We've been talking to to Darren as well at Styles about the changes to corporation tax Mm -hmm. because we've obviously had buy to let has been a trendy thing to do for around about 10 years. Yeah. Then the government introduced increased stamp duty for mm-hmm. second properties, which took a bit of the shine off it. It did. Then company buy-to-lets, SPVs, were introduced and it mm-hmm. became trendy. And now we've got a change to corporation tax. So we're now looking for what is the best option for a landlord. So let's get straight into it with the effects of the corporation change that happened in April this year, 2023, and how that's going to potentially affect a landlord who owns a company, owns a property in In a a company company structure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Like you say, it's been really, really fashionable to have limited companies um, owning properties over the last few years. Um, There's ups and downs to that, but but we have seen an awful lot of it. Um, I think one of the reasons that the corporation tax change has come in is partly for that reason. I don't believe that the increase is just to do with businesses. It is definitely to do with um, companies being used as investment vehicles as well. And um, so obviously from the 1st of April, there was they were up and down over it. Was it going to happen? Was it not going to happen? It did happen. And we're now uh, stuck with it, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, from the 1st of April, corporation tax in general has increased from 19% to 25%. Um, now that just sounds like a very sort of flat figure. Um, it's not quite as simple as that. There are um, kind of rates in between as well. Um there are actually a couple of thresholds. So um, the first threshold is £50,000. So if your profits, and this is for trading companies and for investment uh, uh, companies, I and mean, I know we're focusing on property companies today. So if your profits, and that is literally the uh, your rental income, less all of your expenses, if that is less than £50,000 in a year, then you will still continue to pay 19% corporation tax. There's, there won't be a change for you. And I think that for most buy-to-let landlords are probably still going to fall in that uh, in that threshold, um, 
that there won't be a change. So no need to go out and panic. No need to say, I need to get rid of my company. I need to, uh, or I'm thinking of buying another property. And, and, and now with this change, I'm not going to do this through a company. It, it's, it's, it's not as simple as that. If your profits are less than 50,000, then you will still pay 19%. There is then an upper threshold of 250,000. And if your profits are above that, which again, we're only getting into the biggest landlords in this in this country, then all of your profits will be taxed at 25%. Um, so again, that's a very, very small group of landlords. Um, so I would guess that for most of the people listening to this podcast, that's not going to really affect them. There's obviously then there's the in-between. There's people who are making profits between 50,000 and 250,000. Again, it's going to be a small group, but what will happen for those is they will pay somewhere between that 19% and 25%. Um, obviously, the closer you are to the 50,000, the closer you are to 19. So you might actually find someone with profits of, say, 60 or 70,000 a year might only pay just over 20, maybe 21%, something like that. So the impact isn't quite as big. Um, as I say, it works on a marginal relief basis. So for some people, rather than looking at, you know, these ceilings, these thresholds, it's sometimes easier to look at how it might work with the marginal rates. And the way I tend to say it with people is that for on your first 50,000 of profits, you'll pay 19%. Anything over that, you'll pay 26.5%. So actually, when you think about it, you're actually not paying 25%. You're paying a much higher percentage, you're paying 26.5%. So we get to this ceiling, this sorry, this uh, cliff edge. So in other words, if your profits just go over that 50,000, all of a sudden anything over that is at that much higher rate of 26.5%. So that's sort of a little bit of a planning point there. So for some people, they might say, well, actually, I was thinking of um, putting a new kitchen in or I was thinking of having some repair work done on my property. Well, actually, if you would would have, you know, just stayed under the 50,000. And if that expenditure will actually uh, keep you below that 50,000, you're actually getting 26.5% tax relief on that item of expenditure. So that's a really good planning point. And that's something to um, uh, to look at as you approach things like your company year end, um, maybe when you're going to have discussions with your accountant uh, uh, as to, you know, how will this tax change impact me there's little planning points there it doesn't mean you're stuck with these rates there are some things that you can do there's actions that you can take just to keep you below that marginal rate especially if you're hovering around fifty thousand profits a year um one thing i would say about these thresholds is that this works on a basis that you are a standalone company and that you don't have any other companies that you control. Now, um, I've been having an interesting, interesting conversation with Mike today about um, associated companies. Obviously, they are a trading company. Um, I myself have a trading company. Um, so for anyone out there who is not just uh, having a buy-to-let company, but also perhaps is a, 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 a in, in business, but whether that's a big company or a small company, if you also have your own limited company that you trade through, that actually could impact the tax on both of these companies. Now, it comes down to what's called uh, uh, control. In other words, if you're a one-man band, uh, uh, let's say you're a plumber, for, for argument's sake, um, and you run your business through a limited company, and you will therefore 
control that company. If you also then have um, a, a company that has a buy-to-let property in it or more than one, you're probably controlling that as well. And what that means at that point is that those com- two companies are associated with each other. Um, and what that actually does is it it actually um, takes down those thresholds that ha- they have to get divided by those two companies. So in other words, all of a sudden, your thresholds are now £25,000 and £125,000. So in other words, the, the point that you start to pay that higher rate of tax, that 26.5% marginal rate of tax starts a lot sooner. Now, um, some people by 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 uh, accident or or maybe purposely might actually find they've got more than one associated company um they might find that they are associated um with another company because they um you know it, it they might have two businesses they might have, they might run a business themselves 100% and they might have some association in another company as well or they might have two buy to let companies they might have a buy to let on their own and then perhaps with their um their spouse their partner a business partner a family member um so sometimes if you step back you might find that actually if you've got more than one buy to let more than one business you could actually find that you're associated with um, a few companies um now the way we look at whether a company is associated or not is we look at whether you control it now sometimes people might look at that with things like how they own the shares in the company in other words you might own 100% of the shares in the company well clearly you control that company if you own a company, say, with your spouse or your partner, you might own 50% of the company each. Now, at that point, you would say, well, I own 50% and my partner owns 50%, so neither of us control that company. And in isolation, that may well be the case. However, sometimes we have to look at uh, more than that. We might have to look at whether the companies have any dependence on each other. And this is looking at trading companies and property companies. So in other words, a good example of this might be, well, actually, what if we're not talking a buy-to-let? What if we're talking a property, a commercial property owned by a company? Um, And let's say that uh, company A actually rents the property to company B that you trade from. Well, let's say that that original company is owned 50-50 by uh, a, a husband and wife or partners um and then it actually is being rented to a property uh, to a company that is owned either 50 50 by that same uh, um, uh, two people or perhaps by one of them well actually one is then potentially reliant on the other in other words the commercial uh, the company owning the commercial property is renting to that other company and that would therefore make those two Uh, companies associated so sometimes people might think well they're not associated but they may be because they're dependent on one another there are other ways to look at dependence it might be by um it might be financial it might be commercial it might even be organizational and particularly when you're looking at businesses um people can find that they are associated with it with each other or that they're under common control um without meaning to be 
So you can fall foul of that. At the moment, a really sort of key thing that accountants will be doing at the moment, we're certainly doing it, is they should be looking at their clients. They should be looking at anyone who has more than one company and maybe even companies that they don't act for, companies that clients have an involvement with um, to say, is there a risk that these companies are associated? Is there a risk that they are under common control? And will that therefore impact the corporation tax? Um, it might impact the corporation tax for one of the companies and not the other. But you'd still want to look at that uh, look at that as a whole, look at that to see if there is anything that you can do. Is there any planning there? Is there anything that, you know, are there any old companies that you can, you can get rid of? Um, usually dormant companies aren't treated as associated, but they only need to have an activity. That activity could be something as simple as a bank account earning interest. And all of a sudden, that's not a dormant company anymore. And so it's a really key time right now, now that we've fallen into this new financial year and these rates are here and and will now be starting to have an impact. Um, You might not see that for another year, but they they are starting to impact now. So um, accountants uh, and people owning companies, especially if you don't have an accountant, you might need to look at this yourself um, or it might be the time to go out there and and speak to an accountant. Yes, definitely not the time to look at it yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I I can speak as a business owner. It's not a time to look at it yourself. I I, I know that. (laughs) there's a lot of people out there who diy and and you know it's their it's their decision to do that look i'm always going to say and and as you know darren would always say you know you people should really consider whether they need an accountant or not people think that their affairs are simple but you don't know what you don't know absolutely um and that's sometimes where people can get tripped up if you've got two companies i would definitely be saying don't diy it yeah Um, and even if it's only for on an advisory basis even if it's just to go out there and get some advice and actually say you know you know am i doing things correctly am i missing something uh um because you, you you just don't know it can it can cost greatly i mean hmrc uh, and we'll we'll talk about this later, but HMRC, you know, inquiries, uh, penalties, these kind of things, especially with landlords, it's a hot topic at the moment. Um, and they will punish you uh, greatly if you don't do things right, if you're not compliant. Yeah, and I'll, I'll speak as a non-accountant, so I can put my, my, my opinion on the table without any kind of fear of compliance. The HMRC are going to look for a massive tax grab over the next couple of years to Definitely. make back what they've lost in the last in the last couple of years through mm. covid so they're only going to get more aggressive about investigating people or the algorithms that they use to to decide whether people are floating a little bit close to what they should be claiming on Definitely. there's two points that you really quickly made that i just want to skim back to the first thing is offsetting of costs now i own my buy to lets in a personal name which since the change in tax i now pay tax on the gross income before everything goes out. So my income is pumped up by the amount of rent that I earn. Now, only to a point, because obviously there is there are still certain things that you mm, can claim. Yes, um, it's only the mortgage interest. Now that tends to be the biggest expense for most people, yeah. and I think that's why, for a lot of people, if they, especially if they've got a nice, tidy little buy to let that doesn't really have a lot of expenses, you know, they're they're minimal, um, then yes, uh, definitely that's making a big difference. Um, it's really important to make sure that uh, um that obviously you are making sure that you're claiming for any expenses yeah. um that you are uh, incurring so the the standard ones tend to be uh, insurance 
certainly business insurance because your tenants might have contents insurance for themselves. But if you've got business insurance, especially if that's within a service charge, then obviously that can be quite a big expense. Um, things like if you have a, a, a letting agent, uh, uh, then obviously that's that's an allowable expense, including the VAT uh, where, where you're paying that. Um, things like if you have to pay for any repairs, uh, things like your gas certificate, your your, oh, yeah, your energy performance, yeah. all of those. Um, but as you say, mortgage interest, it's a that's the biggest expense uh, for a buy-to-let. Um, owner um, and you are absolutely right for someone who owns their property uh, personally that is no longer an allowable expense it doesn't come off the um, the profit calculation mm. when we're looking at what that profit is um, what happens instead is let's say for argument's sake you've got a rental property that's 12,000 a thousand pound a month um, and you've got 2,000 2,000 expenses um, and then you've got a 10,000 pound profit now, historically, let's say five grand, then you had interest, you would actually have a £5,000 profit. And that's what you would pay tax on. And if you're a 40% taxpayer, then you've got £2,000 tax bill. And that's the end of it. So on your 12 grand rent, you're paying two grand tax as an individual. We're not talking about companies here. Mm. Um, now, because you can't claim the mortgage interest, you're now paying tax on £10,000. So at 40%, you're going to pay £4,000 tax. However, with your mortgage interest, you can then get what's called a tax adjustment. But you can only get that at 20%. And that's where you lose out. So in other words, 5000 mortgage interest, 20% of that is £1,000. And that gets knocked off your bill. So in other words, you've got a 4000 tax bill. We take off the thousand pound adjustment, and you're left with three thousand pound tax bill. So you can see there the difference. You used to pay two thousand tax, and since the changes came in a couple of years ago, you now pay three thousand pounds tax. So it's cost you an extra thousand, and all of a sudden, when you're looking at your uh, cash flow, what you need, especially for people who have very, very big mortgages, big buy-to-let mortgages, especially now with these higher interest rates that we're paying, and um, you're actually seeing a big, big difference. Um, we've crunched the numbers to people recently and they are making they will make losses. Ultimately, when you look at the tax that you'll pay and the mortgage interest that you'll pay, you're actually going to be in a negative position. Um, and so that in itself is something that is going to be really, really key when buy to let landlords, especially if it's your first one, if you're and if you're going in there with a small deposit, um, you need to really, really think about this. You need to go and see an accountant uh, or crunch the numbers yourself and actually say, what am I actually going to be left with? Can I fund this buy to let? Now, for a lot of people, um, it tends to be an add on. Most people tend to do this. Uh, they're already either employed or in business, and they're doing this as an investment. So it is um, something that maybe they can fund and top up through their wages or their business, or it might be that they're looking for the capital growth in the long term anyway, which, as you will know, and, and, and I know as a, a landlord myself, you know, capital growth is is massively important um, in this. Um, so, yeah, so when we go then going back and looking at the uh, cor corporation tax position for mortgage interest, we're not quite in the same position um it is um there is no restriction on the mortgage interest for limited companies um so they can get the full relief um so in other words they will be getting the relief whether it's at the 19 percent 
whether it's at the 25%, whether it's somewhere in between, there is still that um, that relief there anyway. So that example that you've given shows a landlord who owns a property in a personal names tax bill will raise by 50% just on an off the cuff example, which is what's put a lot of people off buying a buy to let over the last couple of years. Absolutely. The situation is not the same if you own the property in a company though. That's right. So a limited company will not get the restriction on mortgage interest. Um, that will be an allowable expense and it will come off the bottom line profits before that 19%, 25%, whatever in between rate is charged. So um, that is one of the real benefits uh, uh, for a limited company owning a property um, is um, because it, it, it will, that is still there. Now, you know, whether that will change in the future, we don't really know. Uh, but we have to base when we're when we're making decisions and we're 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 putting tax into the equation. We have to base it on the here and now. Um, you 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 can't try and preempt what a government might do or even what a new government might do. So I think as things stand, um, you know. There's still pros and cons, and obviously I know that's one of the things we're going to talk about today, pros and cons of personal and, and uh, limited company um, ownership. Um, it's always going to be based on that real, that personal, uh, uh, your personal circumstances uh, as to what's the best thing for you. Um, and it might even be that, you you know, some a person buys one uh, property in their individual name, they might buy the next property in a limited company. They, they may have, you know, some inside, some outside. It's 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 really going to be very, very different for, for every person, um, really. Always comes down to, as you said, and we're going to say it over and over again, is speak to your accountant before you act, not after. I'm guilty of doing that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, Diane gets called, Diane, I've just done this. <laughs> I do. What do you think? I, I, well, we can't save my time, unfortunately. <laughs> that's the um, that's the downside. So, um, so that's a big that's a big difference in buying a comp a, a property in a personal name or in a limited company name is the tax landscape. We also know from from outside of the tax side of things is the mortgage costs can be drastically different. They are closing, closing, closing very, very slowly. Um, and the mortgage broker we had on the podcast last week said up to 50% of her inquiries for buy-to-lets are now through company names, yeah. which is leading to the high street banks reacting and giving more products for company buy-to-lets, which in turn will lead more competition, which will turn to prices coming down and it becoming normalized, which is what we want to see. We want to see people having options in what they do. Definitely. Outside of obviously the mortgage situation, we've just hit the tax uh, nail on the head. What are the other main differences in owning a property in a personal name or a limited company from an accountant's point of view? Okay, so we always look at the pros and cons when we're when we're actually giving someone advice on uh, whether they should buy inside or outside a company. We look at all of the pros and cons, and um, clearly, the finances are, are are the biggest aspect to that. We have to crunch the numbers. We have to say, as you know, as I just mentioned, you know, uh, uh, will you actually be overall better off? after tax mortgage rates as you've said i'm not going to lie it's 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 like you say the gap is tightening i would say that when i've done these calculations historically before we had all these recent mortgage interest rates there was a big difference between personal and corporate so i was tending to say to people that personal 
was still the best way because of the mortgage rates because that is closing um and i and i literally did one of these a few days ago actually it was it was coming out corporate um, ownership a corporate purchase because the the uh, mortgage rates were were actually quite close to each other so it didn't really um it, it, i wasn't really saying to people well look you're going to pay stupid amounts of mortgage interest on a on a company we're now paying stupid amounts yeah, of, on everyone. Uh, on everyone. So <laughs> there as, was a point where, know, as, a, as a as a personal buy to let, you were paying two percent, and as a company, you were paying five. Five. And yeah. there's there's no amount of small tax loopholes and benefits you can have that take into account your mortgage being two and a half times the amount. Absolutely. It, just, it was just no no way unless you're buying with cash. Yeah. Yeah. To to do it, it's looking more like one to one and a half percent difference at the moment which is which is definitely making things um easier to uh, uh to actually look at corporate ownership instead um so there are other things that though we do have to bear in mind now that one of the first things that i always say to people is um look as i say i know that there are people who diy but the majority of people thankfully do use an accountant and um, when you use a limited company there is more administrative uh, aspects to bear in mind and there are inevitably more accountancy fees with that Let's get that out of the way. It is a fact. You have to have accounts completed for HMRC and for Companies House. You have to file um, some paperwork with Companies House every year, what's called a confirmation statement. Um, and, and inevitably, there are the extra costs with that. And usually, you, you, you've been in a situation, certainly if you're just a landlord and maybe don't have businesses as well, um, you might also need to have a pay-as-you-earn scheme um, as well. So that's sometimes a, an extra thing there. So yes, there are usually um, extra costs, but when we're crunching the numbers for you, we're always going to weigh that in as well uh, to look at what your overall cost is. Um, now, it might be that with a personal uh, ownership, uh, we've got to then look at capital gains tax on a potential sale. So if you're going to sell a property in your own name, um, you might find that a little bit easier. Sometimes people are a little bit put off if there's corporate ownership. Now, it doesn't have to be. It might just be uh, that they just don't, don't understand that they're buying from a company rather than individuals. So that can usually be managed, uh, but it does sometimes put a potential buyer off. Not not always, but it can do. Um now, obviously, if you're buying, if you're selling a property in your individual name, you will pay capital gains tax on any profit you make, and you will get an annual exemption. Now, that's dropped right down currently. It used to be about twelve and a half thousand, and now it's six thousand currently, and that's going to drop again. Um, but what you will do is you will pay um, rates of either eighteen percent or twenty eight percent, depending on whether you're a basic rate taxpayer or a higher rate taxpayer. And of course, you might pay some at 18% and some at 28%. Now, if a limited company uh, decides to sell its property that it owns, um, it will pay corporation tax on any gain instead. Now, there's no annual exemption, so that's a downside. But on the upside, we've got that 19% tax rate, um, and it works the same kind of way. So in other words, we're looking at what the gain is that that company your company has made on that uh, uh, property sale as to the rates that it will pay so it may pay complete at 19 percent on the on the overall gain if that gain is under 50,000 um, and of course we have to look at this on a tax year basis so you may already have rental profits and then sell 
uh, your rental property. So we're adding those two things together when we're looking at are you above the fifty thousand? Are you, you know, what what rates are you going to pay, etc. And we're still looking at those uh, associated company rules as well. And um, so it, it's very difficult to say whether, from a capital gains tax perspective, you're better personal or company. Um, it's go, that's definitely going to be an it depends um, because it will depend not only on the money that is made, um, but also on the tax rules at the time as well. Um, so some sometimes I just find it quite a neutral one, really. Sometimes capital gains tax is more personal. Sometimes it's more corporate. Um, we can't uh, look at tax as well without looking at the inheritance tax position. Um, now, basically, you will pay... You pay inheritance tax on the value of your wealth when you die, um, and that's at 40%. Now, again, we have a threshold there. It's currently £325,000, um, and that increases depending on whether you also have a main residence and whether you uh, leave that to your family and your will, etc. We can't really get into too much inheritance tax today. It's way too complex. But ultimately, whether if you own a buy-to-let, whether you own that inside a company or outside a company, the value of that less less any mortgage on there will fall into your estate and is potentially liable to inheritance tax of 40%. Now, sometimes I'm asked to look at mitigation and, and reducing someone's inheritance tax bill. And this might be after someone's owned buy-to-lets for donkey's years, 20, 30 years. Um, and by then you've probably got used to, they've probably made mortgages paid off, you're used to the income and all of that. Um, and sometimes people say to me, well, how can I mitigate the inheritance tax on that and I, I'm often saying well you need to get that out of your estate or a part of it out of your estate um, and what we normally do with inheritance tax we don't we don't do something all at one go we might look at doing something over a number of years now property is one of those things that people like to pass down to their other generation yeah. uh, their children grandchildren and so on now if you own a property it's very difficult to portion that up to say well I'd just like to give 10% of that. Just give the living room to my daughter. Absolutely. <laughs> that, that, one can have the, some, that child can have the bathroom. That yeah. child can have the living room. Um, it's very difficult to do that, as we know. Um, and unless you're talking really, you know, a kind of a, a 50% share or maybe a quarter, getting into, you know, these kind of, I want to give away 3% or 7% mm -hmm. or something like that, you can't do that with property. However, you can do that with a limited company because with a limited company, you would own shares in that company. So you might have 100 shares. So it's actually a lot easier to think about giving away these small portions. You might give away three shares, i.e. 3% in your company. So that's sometimes a, a plus of actually having a limited company in um uh, sorry, a property in a limited company, because you might have a bit more flexibility. You might say, I just want to give away 1% this year and then not do anything next year and then maybe a percentage the following year. I call it drip feeding. Mm -hmm. um, and we do that quite a lot with our, uh, our our landlords currently that do own properties in limited companies. We do an exercise every year where we look at, well, actually, can we give away a little bit of your limited company every year. And is um, there a limited amount that you can give away in inverted commas okay. to a, to a yeah. relative or a, or a child or Absolutely. a spouse? Absolutely, there is. And there, that comes down to capital gains tax. Because when you're giving away an asset, people think the capital gains tax is just based on selling an mm -hmm. asset, selling a property. It's not. You still pay capital gains tax based on 
giving something yes. away. So in other words, what we're normally looking at is utilizing the capital gains exemption every year. So I have a client, I've been doing this exercise for them for, oh goodness, probably 15 years. And every year we give away just enough shares they own commercial property and mm -hmm. they're limited company. They've got three, actually they've got two commercial properties and one residential property. Um, the company's worth probably 1.5 million altogether. So, uh, and as this uh, client has gotten older and is wanting to give away his wealth, we do an exercise every year. What's the maximum we can give away? It's this company's owned by him and his wife. So yeah. we've got two annual two, exemptions. Two exemptions, 25, yeah. We've had yeah. 25 grand to work with the last few years. Um, and we can give away that every year. Um, and it's just drip, drip, drip. And, yeah. and it just gives away a little bit of their wealth, takes it outside of their estate. Uh, uh, hopefully uh, your uh, listeners will understand about the seven, will have heard about the seven year rule as well. For yeah. inheritance tax, if you give something away, you have to then survive seven years. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But you start the clock ticking yeah. as soon as you give something away. So I know a lot of the time with buy to lets, we're looking at people buying them to hold them long term. Mm -hmm. And I'm now talking about giving them away again. But long we, term as well. <laughs> like, absolutely. But we, 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 we have to touch on it. And, yes. when I, and when I do these exercises to people, I talk about the long-term the long-term plan um because if they were looking at just a five-year plan then i'm not really going to be too worried about inheritance no. tax if there's someone who's saying i'm going to hold this long term this is my people like to use the terminology it, it's my, my pension, pension. yeah yep. you probably hear that a lot as well all the time um it's we're then saying well then we do need to think about inheritance tax because what you don't want to do is put yourself in a situation where you are going to struggle in that 10 or 15 or 20 years to then start to do some yeah. inheritance it's, tax It's planning. hugely important. And I think people who buy buy-to-let properties, generally they're looking to build some sort of generational wealth mm -hmm. because they see what the prices were like when they bought their first property in the 80s, 90s or 2000s. Yeah. And they look at their kids and think, well, this is how much they're going to have to spend in 10 or 15 years time. So if I can buy something now, if I've got two kids, if I can get two buy to lets, that's one each mm -hmm. that they can have for for life. That yeah. means they're always secure, even if they never reach the point where they can physically buy a property. There's one there for them. Yeah. Is 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 it's almost like the method of people's thinking. And yeah. this is a way where you can slowly transfer that property to them, as you say, drip by drip, um, in order to put it into their names without having that kind of penalty of, pow, I've given you the property, and then the tax man comes and says, that property is worth £250,000, so you're now paying capital gains on Absolutely. the market value mm -hmm. of the property. Absolutely. And that is the thing. And I think a lot of people aren't aware of that. I I, if I had a pound for every client who's come in and told me, well, I've, I've already done I'm it. I'm giving it, years it to ago, my kids. Yeah. Then, yeah. Oh, they've already done it. And wow. and, and we, we, we see this a lot and we see people, especially older parents, giving properties to yeah. their children, grown-up children, mm. and not appreciating that there was a capital gains tax bill. Now, if it's your family home, Yes, there's no capital gains tax because there's the private residence relief, albeit there's still issues with inheritance tax. Too much to talk about today. No. Um, but I hear it an awful lot. And then we're quite often we're unraveling for people. Yeah. Um, there is always a consequence. You you can't just give away a, a, an asset worth so much without appreciating that there's likely to be some kind of consequence of that. Yeah. Um again, uh we're, we're straying off a little bit, but you know, the things like care 
care homes and, and deprivation of assets. So I always say to people, if you're planning on doing something, talk to your accountant, talk to your solicitor, find out are there implications before I'm going to make such a major decision. Um, but yeah, going back to the limited company, it, it, if you're likely to want to to hold a property for, for a number of years for your own purposes, for your own growth, for your own income and so on, but you know that there's an intention to possibly hand that down over a number of years, then that that yeah. can be more beneficial in a limited company is likely to be more beneficial. Yeah. Look, um, it's, a, it's a phenomenal use of a tax allowance that people don't use year yeah. after year after year and then bang their way past it when they yeah. sell a property. Absolutely. And the thing is as well is even going beyond the ex- exemption, capital gains tax rates are substantially lower than income tax rates. That's We're not talk- going to change. That's going to change, isn't that, it? That may, we, and we'll, we'll, we will talk <laughs> about that in a little while, yeah. Um, but yeah, absolutely. At the moment, we're at, we've got it pretty good. I mean, I, I'm not, I, I actually think that buy-to-let landlords have had it really hard over the last few years with the mortgage uh uh, the the mortgage rates increasing, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, the restrictions on the tax relief, um, and obviously there's this perception from the general public that buy to let landlords are wealthy, yeah, uh, and almost that we should be a target for for the government, for HMRC, etc. Um, and we've we've faced a lot of downsides at the moment, but when we sometimes flip it, um. And this isn't just landlords. This is just generally people who hold assets. Capital gains tax is at pretty low rates. Income tax rates are twenty percent, forty percent, and forty-five percent. Capital gains tax rates are ten percent and twenty percent for normal assets, and eighteen percent and twenty-eight percent for residential properties, which are still substantially lower. So there's always opportunities yeah. there. And while while we're getting attacked in one way. We've got to look at the opportunities that we still have where we have them. Um, yes, that's likely to change in the future. So when I'm saying to people, yes, there is sometimes a tax cost of doing something way up, whether it's still, you know, a bad idea. It can still be, yes, you've sometimes got to hand over a little bit of something. But if you could use your exemption year on year and use those 18% rates where where possible. Yeah. So sometimes when, we, when I was talking about the drip feeding with the shares, in a property company, we might actually say, well, you're a basic rate taxpayer. So let's not just give away, you know, as I say, the current exemption is 6,000. So if you've got a property company that's owned by a, a husband and wife or uh, uh, partners, um, you've got 12,000 of, of annual exemption there, but you might also have 20,000 £20, pounds worth of basic rate threshold as well. You might, you know, you might be a basic rate taxpayer, so actually, you could transfer a little bit more and only pay tax at eighteen percent, and that's saving you forty yeah. percent tax. So all of a sudden, you, when you're actually comparing these differences, it's substantial. So always lots and lots yeah. of planning. I say to all my clients, you know, tax planning is organic. It's something we should be doing on an ongoing basis. We don't do it once and then leave it alone. We do this. We have conversations. Yeah. yeah. We find out, keep communication going. What are your intentions? What are your plans? Um, particularly for people who are looking towards retirement. Yeah. Let's start this process now because you can maintain control of your property company and still give away a big chunk of it at the same time over a period of years. Yeah. I mean, a, a good example of that, a personal example of that is I decided to dispose of one of my buy-to-lets. The first thing I did was call 
Darren and say, Darren, this year you need to ensure I'm a basic rate taxpayer mm -hmm. because I'm going to sell this buy to let and it's going to bring in a decent amount of profit because I've owned it for 12 or 14 years. Yeah. And the caveat that I put in with the buyer is this property must be completed by the end of March. Yeah. If it goes past the end of March, I'm pulling out and I'm going to re-rent it. Mm -hmm. So they knew from minute one, this property has to be disposed of by the end of the tax year. My accountant knows I need to be a basic rate taxpayer yeah. this year. So I pay a lower level of, 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 of um, capital gains tax. Yeah. It's this, that is planning 101 basics. Absolutely. There's a hundred other things you can do. This but if I was going to say one thing to someone is, before you start is go right okay here's where the landscape is or learn where the landscape is yeah and then sit within it rather than right okay the, the estate agents told me my house is worth loads of money now let's get it sold yeah and then find out what the tax is afterwards because i've seen numerous people pull out of sales because they've then found out how much tax they're going to pay yeah. and decide it's not worth selling yeah absolutely starting point is what's my house worth next Next thing is, what tax am I going to pay? Yeah. It? Before you even get it on the market. Yeah, what am I actually going to get? <laughs> it's not what, what your house is worth is irrelevant if you're not going to get any of it, Absolutely. if it's all going to go to the tax man. So, yeah, do uh, that. Yeah, 100%. And I always say as well, the best tax planning is simple tax planning. You don't need to you don't need to be scared of going to the accountant and thinking they're going to come up with all of these crazy ideas and it's going to cost me a fortune. It doesn't have to be like that. Even just simple conversations, one sentence from a, just a, a conversation with your accountant can tell them so much and actually can prompt them to be proactive and say, well, have you thought about this? And did you know about that? And it's the conversations. And I always say to people, conversations with your accountant are so important um, because if we know our clients, we can we can feed back on that. We can give advice on that. Even things that you maybe you weren't thinking about. We're not always going to wait for you to ask us a question. Yeah. We are going to volunteer things and say, did you realize this? Did you think about that? Um, I know we're talking about limited companies and personal here, but I, I've mentioned a few times properties owned with spouses, properties owned jointly, you know, think about your spouse as well think about your partners your your and sometimes grown up children you know there's so many things that can can be done uh, uh that can um you know it can be big tax savings for people whether it's income tax capital gains tax inheritance tax um stamp duty is the one that i think we always seem to be a bit stuck with there's very little we can do with stamp duty but you know it's uh it is what it is it really is what with stamp it is, duty. Exactly. That's, that's your barrier to entry and yeah. it means that there's there's a market for only some people which makes it an attractive one so let's close on predictions of the future yes um yeah. the future for landlords and hmrc what's on the grapevine, what's likely to happen in the next 12 to 24 months okay everything's got a little bit quiet at the moment obviously i think that with the uh we had the emergency budget and that was a, a that was a fun that was that was really fun <laughs> really fun for us um and, and obviously i think at the moment things have gone a little bit quiet now what i would say particularly for um landlords one of the first things is we're seeing a lot of inquiries a lot of tax inquiries with hmrc and um, the reason for that is that they have um this fantastic risk software that links in with your tax records, council tax, land registry, stamp duty, etc. Um and again, we over the last over the last year and I think So it gonna, does exist. The rumoured system. The rumoured system <laughs> connect is 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 real. Um and again, when we're talking about being proactive rather than reactive, 
we see clients coming to us, they've tried to do it themselves over the last few years. They've, they've either not declared rental income, they've declared the wrong amounts of rental income, or they've sold or given away a property, and they haven't thought about the tax ramifications. Now, that might be ignorance, genuine ignorance. It might be they really did not realise it. But obviously, there are also people out there as well who will think, well, what HMRC doesn't know doesn't hurt them. But I can tell you that they will find out about it. And ultimately, not only will they come after you for the tax, they will come after you for penalties. So I would say to people, bear, do bear that in mind. If you're if you're thinking about buying a buy-to-let, if you're thinking about selling a buy-to-let, do think about the tax consequences. Speak to an accountant. Um, don't be tempted to think they won't know about this because ultimately they will. And and my job is to is to make people pay the least amount of tax possible, but it's also to keep them compliant. And it's also to get them to sleep at night. I want people to sleep at night. Yeah. Um, it, 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 and and, and it, as I say, we are seeing a lot of inquiries at the moment. Now, there is still a, a, a property disclosure uh, for landlords. So if you were someone who's either not completed tax, tax returns because you weren't aware of it, not declared a capital gain because you weren't aware of it, don't now keep your head buried in the sand. Do something about it go and see an accountant, come and see me, we'll get you sorted out. You know, we can do this very easily. And if you are the person who prompts this and you go to HMRC, then you will either end up with no penalty at all or much lower penalties. I've seen this firsthand. Yeah, me too. Over the years, it it really does make a difference if you come clean. Yeah. Uh, and, and as I say, it's not about that you've in any way been trying to play the system or anything like that. It can just be people forget about it and the longer it goes on they go i know i must do something with that yeah. and it just forget, gets gets it's a, it's a classic accidental landlord mistake of moving in with a partner renting your property out you're yeah. you're on paye at work so they sort your tax out for you and your letting agent just doesn't bother mention it to you it's our yeah. professional responsibility to mention it a lot of them don't and then, like you say, three years goes by, four years goes by, mm-hmm. and something triggers you to the point yeah. where you're like, oh, my God, I should have been doing this before. Maybe a change of letting agent yeah. or something. Or, or, a, or a sale. You might yeah, just have to sell exactly. the property. And suddenly you realise you're probably four or five years in arrears of, of tax. You can go to the HMRC. I've helped landlords do this, package together everything, and basically do a backlog of mm-hmm. annual tax returns, which... Fortunately, if you're on if you're a PAYE staff and you've got one buy to let, it's reasonably simple mm-hmm. to to do. Um, and like I say, I've happy I've happily helped landlords package together their income so they could have an analysis to take to a, a an accountant to complete those tax returns for them, and they weren't penalised a yeah. penny by HMRC because frankly HMRC didn't know they existed. And they're now raising tax revenue that they wouldn't have got. That they wouldn't have had. That's ab- absolutely right. And I think the the biggest um, or the most common reason I see is exactly that. It's because quite often it's people who are on repayment mortgages rather than interest only. So they tend to find that they're breaking even or actually not making any money at all. So they say, well, I don't have a profit. Yeah. So I, I don't make money. So I don't no make tax anything, no tax. Yeah. And then we have to explain to them that actually the capital element of the mortgage is not allowable, just the interest. So actually you are making a profit mm. for tax purposes. Yeah. I, I would say that nine times out of 10, that is what happens when people get the dreaded letter from HMRC on their doorstep saying, we believe you've got property income that you haven't declared and they come in to see me. And genuinely, 
as I say, nine times out of ten, that's the reason. It, I, I, I've had the odd person walk through my door who've said I purposely didn't declare it. <laughs> I thought I could get away with it. It's very, very rare, thankfully. Um, genuinely, it's, it's this accident. They call it yeah. an accidental landlord, yeah, don't they? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the things I would say to people is inquiries. Um, if you haven't, for whatever reason, declared your rental income, or a, a capital gain on a disposal, and that can be just on a gift, remember, a gift to a family member, then I would I would say to you, it's always worth you really speaking to someone about. I just want to quickly touch on capital gains tax as well, because we're seeing a lot of this. People don't realise, they think that if they sell a property, it goes in their tax return. We now have a 60-day turnaround period for residential property. Um, you only have 60 days to make the declaration to HMRC, and pay the capital gains tax over, um, and and again, I'm seeing this with with our clients. We you know we actually you you've probably seen it at the bottom of my email. Uh, we put it at the bottom of our emails, and we actually say if you have a property and you sell it, you have sixty days. We put that on our um, tax return um, emails. Um, so that people can be aware of that. We've been doing that for the last sort of four or five years, however long it's been since it came in. Um, and HMRC will charge penalties if you don't do it. Don't think I can just put it on my tax return and forget all about it because you will get a penalty. Um, it can be done online. It can be done via paper. They don't like paper returns, but not everyone has the facility to do it online. Um, it's a service we offer. So again, bear that in mind. As soon as, you're, as, soon as you've got that offer in, you know, I would say speak to the accountant, start the ball rolling. You've got to get the account set up. That can take a week or two. Um, it used to be 30 days. Thank God we've got 60 now. Mm. Um, and then the only other things I would probably really say is uh, making tax digital. Um, this is basically, it's going to be an enforced uh, obligation for landlords to um, start to keep their records in a digital uh, manner. Now, a lot of people keep their records in spreadsheets anyway. That's fine. That is classed as digital. Um, but um, some people keep them on paper and also people maybe just do them at the end of the year. I'll, I'll confess, I do a spreadsheet at the end of the tax year. I don't keep them regularly. I have a folder with everything in and I do it once a year. At some point, people will be mandated to actually keep that on a on a a live basis on a regular basis and also they will have to do quarterly reports so rather than one tax return a year there will be four reports a year um, and that's if you've got one buy to let now if you've got two buy to lets if you've got one that you own yourself and one you own jointly that's eight reports you have to make the reports separately and um, if you're also in business you'll be making reports for that as a sole trader so i think someone worked out people could make as many as 32 reports a year or something like that very very silly good now, business the, for an accountant though i'd imagine well, but, but believe it or not it won't be because actually you'd only need the extra you, you'd need extra staff at the moment for instance styles we couldn't mm. do it um but there'd be pinch points. So every three months, all of a sudden, there's, there's a seven-day yeah. window. So for all of those clients, you'd need people then for that seven days. Well, what do we do for the rest of the quarter? Um, and also, to be quite frank, it's bookkeeping work. Yes. And in reality, you who wants to pay an accountant? Accountant rates for them to do bookkeeping for them because we want to do accounts and, yeah. and, and tax, not bookkeeping. Bookkeeping, bookkeepers will have a field day, I think. For seven um, days a quarter. For seven days a quarter, <laughs> yeah. Um, 
but at the moment thankfully it's been deferred it's been deferred for a couple of years yes um which is great they're also going to put thresholds on it it used to be only a ten thousand threshold well most landlords and that's income not profit. income yeah so most landlords certainly down here are going to be getting at least ten thousand a year they've upped that now um they're going to start it on fifty thousand i think they're actually going to start on the vat threshold then bring it down to 50 then bring it down to 30 um so some so most land most certainly of of, of uh, landlords with one property will hopefully stay outside of the making tax digital net yeah. we hope um and we also hope that it will um that the quarterly updates might change as well. I'm a big believer. I think digital records is a good thing. We're all going digital now. Um, maybe uh, a digital, uh, a regular digital record keeping for landlords is a good thing. And I'm and I'll say that to myself yeah. as well. I, I I probably need to start doing it. And um, I think it's just that sometimes we don't like to uh, change. Um, so that's something that is is. Um, in in the coming years but maybe think about digital record keeping and i guess the big one for me is will we have a change in government because i think if we have a change in government in the next couple of years we will almost certainly see a change in tax and i think even if we don't have a change in government capital gains tax is a big uh it's it's a hot topic we're seeing the annual exemptions reduce will we see a change to capital gains tax rates to match the income tax rates. I think almost certainly in a change of government, we will. I would like to think that we wouldn't in the current government, but I think never say never. Um, but again, that comes back to the whole tax being an organic thing and tax planning being an organic thing. If we start to see uh, changes to more changes to tax on landlords, whether that be income tax or capital gains tax, we have to just deal with it at that time. Hopefully, we will have sufficient time to undertake planning so that you have time to make changes if you need to make those changes. Um, but I do think that we will see some increased tax rates in the near future, unfortunately. We'll sorry, see. sorry to end. We've ended it. Note. Ended it. On, <laughs> we will see more tax increases. Well, I, I guess that was something that deep down everybody knows one way or another. Mm. But once again, that is a massive amount of information for people just to sit, listen to and take in and form an opinion or a basis of where they want to start and obviously where they want to plan for for, for the end game of whether they're looking to dispose of their buy-to-let properties for, for cash to go on cruises or Definitely. whether it's to pass that on to their kids. Yeah, Diane, again... Thank you so much for coming on and clearing up a lot of that. If anyone wants to get in contact with you, your details will be on the bottom of the show notes. Please feel free to reach out. It is a business that we can absolutely thoroughly recommend from our point of view as we are a client of Styles. So again, Diane, thanks for your time today and uh, tune in next week. Thank you for having me.